That was the title of Justin's lesson, Choose Life. And I appreciated that lesson very much. I enjoyed that. And as I said, I had been looking at a lesson that was similar to that. So I decided to build off of that lesson. I decided to use that lesson, segue off of that. And I appreciated the things that he had to say. He said, by choosing life and not choosing death, that we were also choosing service. We were also choosing obedience. We were also choosing sacrifices. That that, that choice to choose life wasn't a single decision. It included many things. It included decisions that we make every day. He talked about an easy path. Satan dangles that hook out there, concealing the consequences. The only problem with that is is that there is a curse. There's a hook. Satan wants to conceal the consequences for those choices, but those choices are often easy. And he talked about that. He also talked about the difficult choices, the road less traveled, and the blessings that we get from making those harder choices. And I enjoyed that lesson very much. So I want to build on that, and I want to ask you all a question today. What does a Christian look like? What does that choice to choose life, what does it look like? Because it's many, many choices that we make over a period of time. What does that look like? In the short term and over the long term, what does it look like? And I made a list. Did I go back? There we go. I made a list, 22 things, and you can have your own list. You can have your own list. A good person. A Christian is generally a good person. Devout, sincere, reverent, humble, noble, evangelical. Talking about a preacher, no, but we're not afraid to talk about our faith. People know that we're a Christian. Committed, reliable, genuine, practical, tender-hearted, thoughtful. Moderate, don't get super, super high, super low, kind of moderate, optimistic, generous, thankful, honest, conscientious, happy, kind, sociable. We make the best neighbors. We make the best citizens. We make the best employees. Everybody wants to hire someone who has these qualities. So what does choosing life look like? Doesn't happen overnight. You walk by someone on the street, you don't, have the, you don't know if they have these qualities or not. I wonder if that's a good guy or a bad guy. Sometimes it's very evident. Sometimes it's not at all. I'll give you an example. I met a guy years ago, 20 plus years ago. Met him on a job site. If you want to find out what a person is like, meet him on a construction site. A few of you know. I had more dealings with electricians in my line of work than any other, than the carpenters or plumbers, those type. Working for the utility company, I would run services in and out, so I had more dealings with electricians. This man was an electrician, had electrical business here in town. I got to know this man. Big job in McLean. He worked there, and he had some other other jobs around McLean. I had a lot of dealings with this man. Over a period of a couple of years, I, I really got to know him pretty well. I was generally impressed with the man. 
he didn't talk like a lot of the guys. Where there are a lot of men around, you generally have the talk tends to devolve. It just does. And you let people know you're a Christian, they find out you're a Christian, and sometimes that's, that helps and sometimes that hurts. Because people want to try it, you know. But at the time that I was around this man, I didn't hear that kind of talk out of him. He was very competent. He was very well thought of. He was very professional. Him and his partner who was in this electrical business, I didn't hear that type. And I was generally impressed with the guy. He was a gentleman. But he was very good at what he did. He had a good reputation. So I got to know this man over a period of time. And I kind of sought him out because he was a good person, because he was so good at what he did, but he was also fit a lot of these characteristics. Murtis's husband and her son and their daughter-in-law, Raymond, Les, and Kathy, and I were in a quartet. And we got invited to sing on a Saturday night down at Southside Church of Christ. 25 years, 20 years ago. We got invited and we're walking up to the steps of the church and opened up the door and this man greeted me. Had no idea. Carl Mann. You guys, many of you may remember him. Good man. Had no idea. Thought he was probably a Christian. Had no, no idea he was a member of the church of Christ. He grinned and looked at me. He had no idea. But I wonder if I would have pursued that relationship if I'd heard some other kind of talk at it. If he would have exhibited some other characteristic than, the, than some of these that you see on the board. Your, yours is going to look different than mine. Your list of qualities, characteristics is going to look different than mine. But would I have pursued that relationship? Would I have sought him out on job sites just to, just to visit? Just to see how he's doing? That uh, Carl and Carolyn ended up going to church with us over on Well Street for several years before he passed away, got sick at the end of 2010, and I don't believe he made the move with us over here because he got sick. But I pursued that relationship based on the fact that that man, over a period of time, wasn't noticeable in the beginning. Walking by on the street, I wouldn't have known this man, but I pursued that relationship based on the fact that he exhibited these qualities. Are we exhibiting those qualities today? Are we making that kind of impression today? It's not going to happen over a short period of time. It takes time for those things to come to the surface. It takes time for that to happen. What does choosing life, the decision to not choose life, what does that look like? Boy, it's a whole lot more noticeable and it happens a whole lot faster. If someone doesn't choose life, that can happen at a glance. Those can come to the surface very, very quickly. Let's look at opposites of what we were seeing there. Meanness, profanity. Boy, those things show up on a job site the first time somebody comes out to a job site. Hypocritical, irreverent. Now, some of those things may not surface immediately, but a lot of them do. Arrogance. Drunk, apathetic, indifferent, unreliable, disingenuous, extravagant. Now, I've, all of us 
tend to do extravagant things at times. Unfeeling, impolite, outrageous, pessimistic, selfish, unappreciative, dishonest, untrustworthy, miserable, cruel, and unfriendly. I don't ever display any of these, but some of you do. Unfortunately, we all do. Unfortunately, every one of us do. But hopefully the other list is what we're concerned about. Hopefully the other list are things that we try to concentrate on. Hopefully the few times that we end up acting like this are in the minority. Psychologists say there's three, and of course they've all got their own ideas, but I've noticed that that many of them say there's three main elements to happiness. Personality, and that's due largely to heredity. Genes, there's not a whole lot we can do about that. We're kind of stuck with the, with the personality that we have. A lot of people tend to be more happy than others. A lot of people tend to be a little more sad than others. Circumstances, and we do have a little bit of control over that because the decisions that we make will tend to produce positive or negative circumstances, but inevitably people have problems. Some people, good people, are suffering tremendously, and some terrible people are being are having wonderful times right now. So circumstances, we don't have a whole lot of control over either. But the one thing that we can control is our choices. As Justin talked about last week, the activities we choose to participate in. And that doesn't just affect us. It affects generation after generation after generation. The choices that we make today Generation after generation after generation. Moses came down the mountain with two tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, and saw what the children of Israel were doing, the golden calf, and he broke these two tablets of stone. And God saw to it that 3,000 men were killed that day and wanted to kill them all. And Moses talked him out of it and persuaded him to make two more tablets of stone. He went back up the mountain, and, and here's what the Bible says. Exodus 34, starting there in verse 5, the Bible says, Now the Lord descended in the mount in the cloud and stood with him, that's Moses there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, giving iniquity and trans- forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin forgiveness. Thousands of generations, brothers and sisters, forgiveness and mercy. But notice... By no means clearing the guilty. Bad news. By no means visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. The decision we make today to say no to life doesn't stop with us. Even if we just make it once, doesn't stop with us. People are watching, our children are watching, our nieces and nephews, our students, 
everyone in that circle of influence is watching. Jesus answered and said, Mark 10 and verse 29, Assuredly, I say unto you, there is no one who has left house, or brothers or sisters, or father or mother, or wife or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospel, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Everything you gave up, a hundredfold more in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Everything we gave up, a hundredfold more, families, possessions, stuff, with the bonus of the promise of eternal life. Blessings and curses. Luke 14, Jesus said, count the cost. But let's be very careful in the blessings and curses to count the blessings. So what does good decisions, what does this decision to choose life, what does it look like? What does it look like? How does this cumulative effect What does it look like in the long run? Well, the fact is we cannot choose life and live our lives as a jerk. Some of you English teachers may want to shade your eyes, cover your ears, because we're going to expand the vocabulary here today. You can't live your life as a jerk. Now, y'all can't. I want to bring my bag with me. I want to bring my jerkness with me. There's times that I just, what was that song a few years back? I just want to stay mad. There's times I want to break it out. You know, I just want to stay mad. I just want to stay a jerk. Just for a little bit, okay? Just for a little bit. Here's what Paul said about us wanting to keep just a little bit of that jerkitude, that jerkishness. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That's the jerkishness. Sorry. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. We've got forgiveness. Can't we pass that on? We can't live our lives as a jerk. So what does bitterness, wrath, anger, evil speaking, and malice look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like when we make those decisions to not choose life? They don't look like life. We choose to not choose life. We choose death. Then we don't get to look like life. But when we choose life, 
we don't get to choose these other things too. We don't get to choose the negative things while we're choosing life. They don't go together. But we see Christians who go to the restaurant after they get out of church and they're rude and they're arrogant and they're impatient and they treat people terribly. How do those two go together? The coat and tie is still on. They just came from the assembly and they feel justified in treating people terribly and acting jerkishly. How do the two go together? How is that? Say no to jerkness. I don't, I don't know if that's a word. I doubt it. <laughs> Jerktitude. <laughs> I'm getting some... <laughs> Shade your eyes, close your ears. Say yes to life. The two don't go together. They don't get that decision to say yes to life. It doesn't go with those other terrible things. Because when we do say yes to life, we should, be, we should be glad about it. And I know we often are, but there's still times when we want to drag that old baggage with us when we go. We want to take that with us when we go. 1 Peter 3 and verse 8. Peter said, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil, evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Not the curse, but the blessing. For he who would love life, who, he who would make that decision to choose life, not death, and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Boy, we want to hang on to that baggage, don't we? It's heavy. It's a load to bear, and boy, we want to just stay mad over something that happened 25 years ago or something that happened two weeks ago. And we're justified in some of that. We think. But God's not justified in hanging on to the things we've done against him. We did get to our text. Appreciate Isaac reading that for me. Isaiah 61. God said through Isaiah, he said, speaking of the Messiah, this is messianic prophecy. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. When we choose life, we choose to free ourselves from all those negative things. We choose 
life is saying yes to freedom. Have you ever seen a film of an injured eagle being released back into the wild? It's a pretty wonderful thing to see, an injured animal that has been nursed back to health and released into the wild. That's us. That's us. How could we possibly decide to go back on death row? How could we possibly decide to do that? But boy, we don't. But we want, would we carry all of the stuff that held us in captive, held us in captivity, held us in the cage and say, no thanks, I'm going to go back because I want to hang on to this. I just want to stay mad. I just want to stay angry. I just, and I've done that. I've, I've gone back and rehearsed times when I was angry. We do that sometimes, don't we? I just want to go back and, boy, I remember the time I did, you know. I think we've all done that at times. We want to carry some baggage with us. It's heavy. Let it go. All of the things that held us captive. Let it go. Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life, that choosing life in Christ Jesus, has made us free from the law of sin and death. When we're doing anything outside of Christ, produces only sin and death, keeping us bound in that sin and death. Hebrews 2, starting in verse 14, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who had who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. We can leave it behind, brothers and sisters. It serves no purpose except the curse. No blessings there in hanging on to that. I just want to stay mad just for a little while longer. I just want to be bitter just a little while longer. I just want to have wrath just a little while longer. Back to our text, Isaiah 61. Again, about the Messiah. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To choose life is to choose the comfort of God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Some of you have wonderful memories Amazing memories and good reason to mourn. It's hard to leave those things behind, but, but when we choose life, we choose to accept the comfort of God. It takes time. Those things don't show up overnight. They don't heal overnight, but we choose the healing of God and in his ways, in his, in his comfort, his love. His comfort, his healing. In those days, they stripped all their clothes off. They put on the most uncomfortable clothing you could put on toe sacks, scratchy, burlap, and ashes, threw ashes over themselves. 
That's how they mourned. And here he's talking about trading in ashes for beauty, for gay clothing. They, didn't, they took off the burlap, the scratchy, the super uncomfortable, the irritations, took those things off. The ashes for beauty. And the oil of joy, the soothing of the oil instead of the ashes. Garment of praise, the bright gay clothing instead of the toe sacks. Instead of the burlap. What does choosing life look like? It looks like love, kindness, forgiveness. It looks like freedom. Freedom from all of the baggage that we had with us before. It looks like freedom. Life looks like someone that said no to mourning and ashes. Said yes to healing and beauty. <clears throat> to choose life is also to have value. Not in ourselves, not that I think I have value, but God thinks we have value. What could Monty Joyner ever hope to accomplish in service to God? Really? What could I ever hope to do for, for God that he couldn't accomplish for himself? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. What could you ever hope to accomplish for an infinite God, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise God that he couldn't do for himself? Absolutely nothing. But he gives us value. He assigns us value. Then he allows us through him to accomplish things we could never accomplish on our own. So I don't get the credit for that because everybody knows I couldn't do that. They know who Paul said. He, he besought God three times to remove this thorn in the flesh. And what did God say? My grace is sufficient. Because when he accomplished something as good as Paul was, as, as good a person, as, as sincere as he was, when he accomplished something, everybody knew it wasn't Paul. He wasn't capable. Everyone knew that it was through the grace of God that he, he accomplished that. When we accomplish something as a congregation, everyone knows through the grace of God we get that done. God assigns value, true value, not something we try to gain for ourselves. God assigns value that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. When we feel insignificant, when we feel like we don't matter, when we feel like we can't do anything and can't do anything right, God assigns us trees of righteousness, Useful, beautiful, majestic trees. And what were we before? Earlier in this letter, a bruised reed he will not break. A smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. A bruised reed, a broken reed is only good to be trampled or burned. What good are we when we're bruised, when we're broken, when we feel good for, for nothing? What good are we? 
God heals us. And God makes us valuable, assigns value to us. A smoking flax, a smoking wick on a lamp, putting out this much spark, all it does is fill the room full of smoke and stench. It's good for nothing. God assigns value. God heals that, that broken reed, that bruised reed, and that smoking flax heals them, makes them useful. Why? That, they may, that God may be glorified because they know that that broken reed over there, Monty Joyner, couldn't do something. So when something happens, they know who to give the credit for. They know God accomplished that. And we know who to give the credit to, that God may be glorified. When we choose life, that looks like something of value, bearing fruit, that God may be glorified. Back to our text, Isaiah 61, and they shall rebuild, verse 4, the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall, your plowmen, shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. Everything looks good. When we're, when we're, see, people are seeing these things in us. Everything looks good, doesn't it? Everything around us, we may be living in the exact same house. We may have the exact same job. Everything may be going the exact same way, but how does it look? It looks wonderful. When, every, when we're at peace with everything, it's amazing how much better everything looks. It's amazing how much better our outlook is. A little spring in our step. A little smile on our face. We haven't changed anything. We're serving God, and guess what? He's blessed us. He has blessed us. All of these things start showing up. All of these things start showing up. God has blessed us. God has given us value. Looks like grace. When we choose life, it looks like, it feels like, and it acts like grace. Because when we receive that grace of God, everything looks better. Everything feels better. And as a consequence, we should act better. It's been a long year. It's been an incredible, devastating year and a half. Let's get back to that. And I know this is a loving church. I know this is a happy congregation. But let's be reminded that as difficult and as devastating as this last year and a half is, we've seen the grace of God. Let's look like it. Let's feel like it. Let's act like it. 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 1, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. We've tasted it, brothers and sisters. 
We tasted it. We look like it. When someone passes it on the street for the first time, they don't know us from anyone. The last thing we want them to see is the fact that we don't feel like we've been received the grace of God. Back to our text, Isaiah 61, verse 6. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord, that they shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor, and instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offerings. I will direct their work in truth and, and will make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. And who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. Grace. Prosterity, blessings, not curses. When we choose life, it's evident to everyone around us. We want that for ourselves and in the life to come, everlasting life. What does Christianity look like? What does that choice to choose life It can take a little time to come to the surface. But when we make that decision every day, multiple times a day, to the difficult decision, often it's difficult, when we make that decision that Justin talked about last week to choose life multiple times a day, when we get up and when we go to bed, it looks like love. It ought to be evident in everything we do because we've received it. Let's pass it on. It looks like kindness. It looks like forgiveness. It's like we've left that baggage behind. It acts like freedom. Feels like freedom. Beauty and healing, not the sackcloth, not the uncomfortable, not the miserable, but the beautiful, something that's comfortable. The healing. It looks like God has assigned us actual value, even when we, when we don't have any. making us capable of even even bearing fruit to the glory of God. It looks like grace. Amazing grace of God has been bestowed on us. Should bring a smile to everyone's face. Back to our text, Isaiah 61, verse 10. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as the bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations." What is the choice to choose life? What does it look like? 
rejoicing and righteousness in Christ. He said that twice, in God, in the Lord. I hope we all know how we make that decision to choose life. How we get in Christ. How is that? Galatians 3 and verse 26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Through faith. For or because as many of you as, as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither a slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For because you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The decision to choose life is the decision to be baptized into, into Christ. So God doesn't see us as righteous. He sees his son. We are clothed in his righteousness. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. That's how we are received into Christ, into his body. He has clothed me in the garments of salvation. That's Christ. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. That's Christ's righteousness. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and, and the bridegroom, a bride adorns herself with jewels. As the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden carries the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. We can be part of that, brothers and sisters, in Christ. Christianity looks like life, love, kindness, forgiveness. Freedom, beauty, and healing. It looks like something that God has assigned value to that's capable of bearing fruit to his name's honor and glory. It looks like grace. It looks like rejoicing and righteousness in Jesus Christ. We want these qualities. We want to look like it. We want to act like it. We want to feel like it. We want to extend an invitation. Do you have a need this morning? Are you still carrying baggage? Is there something we can assist you as a child of God, pray with you and for you about? We would invite you to come forward. If, on the other hand, you're not a child of God, you're not clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ by being baptized into that body to receive those blessings of God, to make that decision to choose life. We have water. We have clothing. We're ready to assist you in either case. If there be a gospel subject in the audience this morning, we would invite you to come forward, sit on the front row, and make your wishes known as we stand and sing.